0: Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. As you know, we are facing extreme censorship alongside many other truth seekers out there. If you want to support the show, please go over to mattbelair.com and sign up for the email list. Join the Academy for exclusive and censorship-free content. Become a patron and most importantly, consider doing three kind acts today wherever you are in the world. Today's guest is a retired family doctor. He is the author of Human Heart, Cosmic Heart, The Contagion Myth, and principal author of The Fourfold Fourfold Path to Healing, and co-author of the Nourishing Traditions book of Baby and Child Care. Welcome to the show, Dr. Cohen.
1: Hi, it's Cowan, and you can call me Tom.
0: Sorry, Tom. Sorry, Tom. Great to see you again. Um, I've seen your work um, being shared in a lot of the communities of doctors that I'm in. Um, I'm a big fan of everything that you're putting out, standing up for what's going on. Your book, uh, The Contagion Myth, was deleted from Amazon um, and basically scrubbed as far and as wide as they can. So why don't we just begin with a little bit about uh, your work and your history. Um, You were telling me a bit before the show that uh, I was saying that I had a friend in Quebec who's a medical doctor and actually willingly gave up his license. Um, because of all the corruption that was going on and he just couldn't be a part of it anymore. We did a two and a half hour show. And it sounds like there are some uh, similarities to, from your path.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I actually uh, also say, I I don't know what the right word is relinquished. I think uh, my medical license uh, when I moved out of California. Um, I mean, I've, you know, I uh, have been a medical doctor, just sort of general practice, for since 1985. So that's 35ish years. Mostly just seeing all kinds of people, children adults, and all kinds of problems. And you know, along the way, um, discovered a, a, enough things so that I thought I should write books about it. Um, and you know, initially it was sort of general medical, and then children's medical, and then I wrote a book about the heart and why the heart doesn't pump the blood and blocked arteries are not the cause of heart attacks. Then I wrote a book about vaccines and autoimmune disease that essentially vaccines are one of the primary causes of chronic illness in in this country and probably your country too. Um, And then I wrote a book on cancer and the new biology of water, saying that cancer, unlike what we've been told is not a genetic disease has to do with the unstructuring of the water in our tissues. And then to my surprise, I got thrust into the virus debate. I knew about viruses and and knew that, you know, for instance, that uh, HIV, the virus that supposedly causes AIDS had actually never been found and never been shown to cause AIDS. So I've known about that since probably the early nineties but I never really wanted to get into this. Um, (laughs) Just just for no particular reason, except I just, virology is such a sort of arcane um, kind of profession that nobody, the rest of the doctors basically don't know what the heck they're talking about. And so I didn't really want to bother learning it. And then I made this comment at a talk that I gave that viruses don't cause disease, which I knew to be true. I just didn't wanna get into it so much. And then I heard a hundred million people saw the video at which point I I sort of had no choice but to actually figure out uh, what virologists are talking about. And it's been an incredible journey personally for me because as I've said, I've probably learned more medicine since March so last 10 months, then in the rest of my career. Uh, so that's sort of an interesting thing. And then I've probably learned in the last two months, not as much as ever, the whole career, but a lot. Uh, so even some of the things in the contagion myth, uh, you know, what's interesting to me is in all of these books, I got things wrong. No doubt about it. And in the contagion myth, I got things wrong. Not, not the sort of big things, but enough things. And I can tell you, uh, looking back in all these books in my entire career, every single thing I got wrong was because I believed what I was taught and the dominant narrative too much. Every single time. A lot of them, I came to a sort of fork in the road. And I would say to myself, I don't think this is right, but it seemed too big to take it on. Like when I wrote the vaccine book, to take on the idea that viruses simply don't cause disease just seemed too much at the time. And I didn't really want to investigate it. And I had this niggling feeling like this is not right. Uh, But it was sort of the threat of it was right, right enough that I could do it. And, uh, you know, I'm a little bit embarrassed about it, but, you know, it is what it is. So it's just a lesson in life. You know, we do the best we can. We say what we think is true. And if we have any sense, we move on and try to correct it. And that's what I'm doing, just like everybody
0: else. Well, that's amazing there. And I would agree that uh, I've learned. Uh, the most about medicine since March, just because I've been forced to, to try to figure out what is going on. And one of your videos that came across was describing the PCR test. And that's a very important piece of information for what's going on in the world. And the fact that you have the humility to say, Hey, some of this stuff was wrong, but also understanding why it's wrong, because you believe maybe what you were told. And in some of my research, I'll kind of throw some stuff at you to see where you land on it. But the Rockefeller influence on medicine and kind of hijacking uh, homeopathy versus allopathic medicine and the Flexner report. Then we go back into the germ theory versus terrain theory debate and what viruses actually do um, are, are all very important. And when we look at what's going on right now, we've got these vaccines coming out, and I'd be I'd love to just start there because um, you would think why would vaccines cause illness? Like why wouldn't they be proven safe? Right? We just want to trust our authority. And a lot of people, if they're not open to these ideas, would be very resistant. So we don't need to go into to all of it. But what I'd love to unpack is I just li- listened to Dr. David Martin, who was on the podcast as well, talking about this uh, vaccine. And Moderna is actually not even a vaccine by definition. It's genetic. What do you say? Genetic modification. Is that correct? Or, or a gene modification and, and vaccines by definition are at least to supposed to prevent uh disease from getting from getting that virus and then spreading it and what what Moderna is saying is that it's not even doing this so that's very vague and kind of convoluted and confusing so maybe you can take what I said and um give me some feedback on what you think about this new vaccine coming out and 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 your understanding of vaccines in general
1: uh well the first thing I would say is uh you know I know David and he's absolutely correct and I I would just advise you and anybody else, there is no COVID vaccine. There is no coronavirus vaccine. This is a medical device meant to modify your DNA and function as an operating system. And for those of you who don't believe that, that those wording I, I got right from the Pfizer and the Moderna website. And if you want, I can read it to you, but I don't think we should do that right now. But you know, the, the real issue here and the issue that I think is the most important that we should focus on is has there been a virus identified which you could even make a so, a quote vaccine against? Because the fact of the matter is, there is, uh, has not been any coronavirus that has been identified and actually that's not just me saying that. That's what the CDC says. That's what the Christian Drosten, who was the essentially the Fauci of Europe. And again, I can read you what he said. When he made, he made the original sequences for the PCR test. And just to just to give you some confidence, here's his paper that he described the PCR sequences. And he says, quote, we aim to develop and deploy robust diagnostic methodology for use in public health laboratory settings without having virus material available. In other words, he made segments which he said were unique to this virus, but then he says he never actually had any example of the virus, which is essentially like finding A piece of a hoof in the field and saying that it came from a unicorn and then most people would say well how do you know that have you actually seen and analyzed a unicorn to see that it has a unique you know kind of hoof and if your answer is no i just made up the unicorn people would i think be suspicious because that's not how human beings think. Well, except virologists, that's how they think. And uh, you know, the, this whole debate really Matt comes down to whether the virus has been isolated. And if you haven't isolated a virus, therefore you can't possibly know what the genome is of the virus, right? I mean, that just makes sense. Uh, if, I, if I isolate this uh, this pen from all the other writing instruments, I can then find out what the pen is made out of. If I just have a drawer full of writing instruments and grind them up, I can't tell you that a certain piece of it came from this pen as opposed to other pens. And the bottom line is since it's nev- this virus has never been isolated, and we don't therefore have the genome, You can't possibly make a test for a piece of the genome which you know is specific to that virus and if you want i can describe to people how it is that a virologist should isolate a virus and then actually how they do and you can see the difference
0: yeah that would sound that would be great because i know for some people one of the sticking points is saying okay Um, I have seen these videos where people have gone to their governments and I believe they ask for proof that the virus has been isolated. And there's these videos around where many different organizations are saying they have not given us the CDC and all these different places. They haven't given us the proof that they've isolated the virus. And then well, some people will say, well, if they haven't isolated the virus, how then um, are people like Dr. Martin talking about um, patenting the virus? So I'm wondering if you can bridge those two worlds to, um, make those distinctions. Cause I'm sure there's something there.
1: Right now. It doesn't, I didn't say that people aren't trying to genetically engineer stuff. Right. And so that's what David is talking about. Uh, in fact, you can genetically engineer, uh, you know, gene products which are misconception called viruses. And then you can inject those into human beings or animals and make them sick. But that's different than a spreadable virus. In fact, the idea that you could genetically engineer a certain piece of genetic material and then make people sick is nothing new. In fact, that is actually what we call a vaccine. And so you can make individual people sick. And I have no doubt that either they're trying to do that or have done that. In fact, like I say, that's what we mean by a vaccine. But, but let's go back and then I can, I, can just, I can address that problem of is there an engineered virus uh, very specifically, okay? And I, what I found is the best way to do this is if I use you as a kind of foil to this. In other words, I'm gonna ask you questions and then I, you'll, you'll be sort of the the listener, and, you'll, and the listener will then be able to see how to think about this. Is that okay with you?
0: Yep, sounds good.
1: Okay, so here, and I'm going to do it in a simpler analogy, so our quest is to find out whether, and pay attention to the words if you could, whether the caffeine found in coffee beans causes people to have high blood pressure, okay? okay. So, The way I'm going to do an experiment is I'm going to take coffee beans and I'm going to grind them up and I put them in a capsule and then give 10 people ground up coffee beans and 10 people a placebo that's a good placebo, controlled experiment. All 10 get high blood pressure who took the coffee ground up. None of the 10 who took the placebo have I then proven that the caffeine in coffee beans causes high blood pressure.
0: It sounds like you plausible yeah but not exactly because what's exactly in the genetic makeup of the whole thing
1: no so think about (laughs) this and this is exactly the problem this is exactly what people need to know in order to say that it's the caffeine in the coffee beans right that's our job do you think that the only thing in ground up coffee is caffeine no there's fiber caffeic acid aromatic oils, and probably a hundred other things, right? Yep. So caffeine is a thing and you have not isolated the caffeine from the coffee bean, correct?
0: Right. Yep.
1: So you may be able to say ground up coffee causes high blood pressure, but you certainly can't say caffeine from coffee uh, makes high blood pressure. And I don't want you to agree if you don't agree.
0: Oh, that makes, no, that makes sense.
1: Okay, so let's take it the next step. We're going to take this ground up coffee, put it through a filter paper, paper, like a coffee filter, and we end up with what we call coffee, right? And then we give that to 10 people, 10 people, we give them just the water, all of them get high blood pressure. Have we now proven that the caffeine in coffee causes high blood pressure?
0: And this time it's just caffeine or it's just coffee?
1: It's coffee.
0: And just one thing and there's no other, another thing. No,
1: it's coffee.
0: Okay. Yeah. Then yes.
1: So I would say no, because if, unless you think that in coffee, the only thing there is, is caffeine, right? which is not true, right? You can prove that you can do a chemical analysis and you have oils and things that smell different ways and different chemicals in the coffee and you have caffeine, supposedly, but you haven't isolated the caffeine from the coffee, and so you have no idea whether it's the caffeine or the aromatic oils or anything else that might come out in the water.
0: So I'm I'm wrapping my head around this, so it makes sense to me, and what you're suggesting, if you're going to go through the scientific method, is that it might start as 10 things, right? The coffee's 10 um, 100 items, things. whatever it might be, right? And then so then you boil it down to 50, still breaking it down, but you need to get down to that one thing, that one causation or that one group of causations. So you, maybe it's the three things together that would cause the cancer or cause the illness or whatever. Once you can go down and break it down to his absolute core point, then you can say this causes that.
1: Yeah, but the point of it is, it depends on what you're trying to establish. If you want to establish that all the hundred things in coffee causes high blood pressure, that's a fair enough experiment. But then don't say that it's the caffeine in it. Right, right. Yeah, because that's just not true. Got it. Right. Yeah. So I'll I'll tell you why this is appropriate. Because you if you have to pay, pay attention to the words. If you say ground coffee causes high blood pressure, then you grind it up and give it to somebody. If you're going to say this thing is isolated, you have to take that thing out, right? Otherwise, what are we talking about here? So then you do the next step. You take this coffee, right? Liquid coffee. It has a hundred different chemicals in it. And you put it through a centrifuge and the chemicals all separate out. And then you have one band and then you take the band out, you suck it out, you look, at, you send it to a chemical analysis and they say, the only thing you have now is caffeine. No chemicals, no oils, no nut burgers, no nothing. You've got pure caffeine, right? And then somebody else repeats those steps, grind it up, filter paper, centrifuge 100 rpms per minute you know they tell you the whole thing and they get the exact same thing then you give caffeine to 10 people you give them a placebo that looks the same all of them get high blood pressure have you now proven that the caffeine causes high blood pressure yes 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 (laughs) (laughs) here's the reason i did this this is how human beings think. This is what we mean by isolation, right? Right, yeah. This is not some esoteric concept that a smart guy like you can't understand. You've been convinced that you can't understand this in virology, but I can tell you it's not true. Now, let, let's try this. What if we took that coffee, right? Ground it, filter it, we have coffee. And we put it in a big vat, and in that vat is tea and chocolate and yerba mate and 20 other things which we think or we know have caffeine in. We stir it up, and then we extract the caffeine from that, right, centrifuge, the whole thing. Can you then still say that the the caffeine from coffee beans causes high blood pressure?
0: Well, no, because you have the other ingredients in it. Right,
1: you don't know where that caffeine came from, right? Right, yeah. This is also not rocket science, it's how human beings think, right? Yeah. So you've got it. You know what isolation means, and I just wanna be clear, you have no disagreement with what I said, right?
0: That all seems to make sense to me, yeah, I'm following.
1: Okay, so here's how you do the same thing with a virus. You take somebody who's sick, right? You think they have, all all of them have COVID-19, whatever that is, they all have a cough. You take some of the respiratory secretions that you think has the virus in it, right? Yeah. Then you grind it up just like the coffee because that just loosens things up. And then you put it through a filter paper, right? And you get rid of the bacteria and the dead cells and fungus But you still got, you know, lots of things in there, right? Yep. Now, if you gave that to an animal and made them sick, do you now know it's the virus?
0: No, if you got all that junk in there.
1: Right. So that's what they did. Hmm. Now, the next step would be just like with the coffee. They take that, that, that's called a supernatant, the liquid. They put it through a density centrifuge. It spins it out into a band. They know the molecular weight. They suck out the band. They look at it under an electron microscope, and they say, the only thing we have is this virus, right? There's no toxins. There's no arsenic. There's no cigarette smoke. There's no no cyanide. There's no anything. It's just pure virus. Now, there's some problems with this, but let's forget about that for a minute and then you give that to an animal or a person and make them sick, that is how you prove causation.
0: Hmm. Does
1: that make sense? Yep. Now, here's what I can tell you. There has not been one time in, in the published history of Western or Eastern or any other research that shows that having done those steps, that virus that you've isolated causes disease, not once. And if anybody shows me a study where they did that, I will retract the book because it hasn't been done. So what do they do? What, because I've read 31 papers saying they've isolated the virus. And I heard yesterday, somebody said, it's been done 127,000 times. So what do they mean? Here's what they did they took stuff from you know, lung fluid, usually, they grind it up, they put it through a filter paper, and then they inoculate that onto monkey kidney tissue, which by the way, has the same genetic material as the virus does, which is similar to putting the coffee in a vat of 10 things that have caffeine. Now, interestingly, So first of all, as you just said, that liquid is not purified, right? Mm -hmm. You can prove it. I mean, you can look at it under a microscope and there's a hundred different chemicals in there. There's a hundred different viruses and and exosomes and proteins and all kinds of stuff. Nobody, no human being thinks that's isolated. But then, so, but that's what they're using to to inoculate a tissue and nothing happens to the tissue. So they have to starve the tissue. They use what's called minimal nutrient medium, which means they withdraw the nutrients. So the tissue starts to die and then still nothing happens. So then they put uh, genomycin and amphotericin, which are two nephrotoxic antibiotics. Now, why do they do that? They say, well, we don't want bacteria to contaminate the culture, but fair enough. But the problem is they're both toxic specifically to kidney tissue, which is what they're growing this stuff on. So naturally it breaks down into millions of pieces including little particles, which are just natural breakdown products which have the same genetic material as the so-called virus. And then they do a PCR test on that brew, which I think you would admit is not isolated, but they call it, that's how you isolate a virus. Then you do a PCR test, never having isolated the virus, never having shown that that PCR is specific to any coronavirus or any other virus. And that is what a modern virologist calls the isolation of the virus. Now, I don't know about you, uh, and I'm just some normal guy, you know, I don't think that's true. That seems to be nonsense to me. Now, if that's not true, then you, as I said, you can't possibly know the genome because all you've got is this mess of genetic material. You can't possibly know that this PCR primer is specific to anything that's causing disease. You can't possibly know if it, in fact, does cause disease, which they haven't been able to show this mess uh, in any animal study or any humans. Even if it did, you don't know what part of it causes the disease, right? Because you're not talking about a thing called a virus having been removed from the rest of it. And that's where we're at. And the CDC has admitted it, Drosten has admitted it, the Australian government has admitted it, the Canadian government has admitted it, and four or five other ones all said We've net we have no published example of the ice of the proper isolation and purification of the virus, therefore, all the tests are meaningless. All the studies saying this is a causing anything are absolutely meaningless, and that's where we're at.
0: Wow, well, that's an amazing breakdown. And I remember um, watching your video on the PCR test, and that's what helped me understand what was going on. So, I feel like there's a lot that I'd love to address and I want to hopefully make this the uh, most beneficial for most people because I've talked to friends about the vaccines. And even for me, when I started getting into this in March, I was like, you know, I don't, I don't, something's up with vaccines. I don't love them, but like, you know, I I, I don't have the confidence to go tell this person not to vaccinate my, my daughter now six months mu- or six weeks later, I'm like, what the hell is going on with vaccines? This is crazy. And as you said earlier, it's not a place that you really want to be in because uh, Dr. Christian Northrup, you know, she was getting attacked. And it's funny because I remember one of my friends posted on Facebook something like, um, you know, some people will believe anything. I was like, this woman literally was voted top 50 most trust- trustworthy people in the United States, you know, and like nobody wants to stick out their, their neck to get slammed by all of these different organizations um, and people and media to try to help other people to let them know the truth. So it's a challenging space to be in. Um, so Here's how I understand what's going on. Um, Dr. Martin did a, a, a talk today and he said that with COVID under the CDC, something along these lines, you want to watch this video to verify it, but I'm just kind of sharing what I remember, that it's kind of like this group of symptoms. And then you, if you pass away, right, average age of death in Canada from COVID is 84 years old, um, 98% are in long-term care. And so people are dying. And then they do the PCR test, which just basically amplifies matter, as you explain much better than I do. And then if it gets enough of a so-called sequence, then they say it's a COVID death. And that's how we have all of these numbers and people are freaking out. And then all of this other uh, draconian measures are being put forth. So is that accurate-ish?
1: Uh, which part?
0: What I just said, all of it. Did you correct <laughs> anything that was inaccurate, please? <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean... Let, let me go back a step here because I left something out. Because you earlier asked me what I thought of the engineered virus theory, uh, right?
0: Well, I was wondering about the like how Moderna and and is saying we we we're going to patent this virus because they have, right? No, they're Patented not saying something. they're
1: patenting of any virus. They say we have no virus material to work with. What they're doing is. Uh, <clears throat> So let me address, first of all, the engineered virus. And all I would say to the people who think that this is an engineered virus is the same thing I would say to a virologist, show me the virus. Because you could, if it was an engineered virus that's spreading through the world, you should be able to isolate and characterize that as well in exactly the way I did. And I can guarantee you 100% that that has never been done Therefore there's no evidence of an engineered virus causing disease.
0: And so so specifically with when when Dr. Martin is talking about the patents in PlanDemic 2 saying they patented something what exactly is Moderna patenting then?
1: So what they do is they so they have a Moderna has a theory. The theory is this genetic sequence called a spike protein is unique to this virus. That's their theory. Now, let me stop you for a minute because I have a friend who did what's called a blast search. A blast search is where you can search the database of the world to see what the sequence, if it matches up with anything else. So a a genetic sequence is a series of nucleotides, which is like A, T, C, G, et cetera, right? It gets a little technical, but let's make it simple and say, the sequence that they're calling a the spike protein is ATC. Right? You with me? Yeah. So then he searched the database to see is that ATC sequence found anywhere else in nature, right? Cause you can do that. He found 93 examples in the human genome of exactly that sequence. So in other words, it's not specific to any virus because we have 93 different examples in our genome of the exact same sequence. In, in the microbial world, so we're talking bacteria and fungus and amoebas, there's 91 of those that have that exact same sequence. So this, so this is not unique to anything. So finding it all in, a, in a sample only means that, it probably came from the human being,
0: and not any virus. And is this what Moderna is trying to patent or has okay, patented? Okay,
1: so now we get to that. So Moderna says erroneously, provably, that this sequence is means it's the spike protein, means it's from a virus, and then they change the sequence. Instead of ATC, they put ATC1, right? So it's a little different. And then they patent that, and then they inject that into human beings, which then uh, changes their, their genetically engineering you so that you then react against that sequence. But the problem is you have that sequence in you. And so you end up reacting against yourself. Now they call that an operating system and that's words from their own website. And if, And again, if you don't believe me, uh, let me read you what Pfizer said about their their mRNA vaccine. So I'm quoting now from Pfizer, right? This is their their words. The DNA template used does not come from an isolated virus from an infected person. That's what they say. Then they say, quote, the DNA template SARS-CoV-2 gene bank MN Uh, 908-9473 was generated via a combination of gene synthesis and recombinant DNA technology. In other words, in a laboratory, they synthesized this mutant piece of of genetic material, they patented it, they injected into you as a drug, that drug makes you react against it and makes you sick. That's the point. Now, people say the idea that this is an operating system is a conspiracy theory. But let's read what Moderna on their website says about this, right? They say, and I'm quoting, recognizing the broad potential of mRNA science, we set out to create an mRNA technology platform that functions very much like an operating system on a computer. It is designed so that it can plug and play interchangeably with different programs. In our case, the program or app is our mRNA drug, the unique mRNA sequence that codes for a protein. In other words, if this is a hoax, then apparently Moderna is in on the hoax because they're telling us that this mRNA is not a vaccine, it's a drug meant to make you to insert into your DNA, so that you will be genetically modified and function like an operating system. That's what they say. So I believe them.
0: (laughs) Well, you should, You you know, okay. So what I'm thinking for this is, I have heard these things and I've seen these things. And for me, when I'm trying to explain this to people, and even since March, if you're not open to this, you're not going to be open to it. Um, And you got to do your own research. So you could go and you could go on that website and and find what you just shared. You could read your book. Um, You could also go and find many other people saying similar things and piece this all together uh, for yourself. So do your own research. So what I wanted to ask you that I think is important is that one of the blocks that I see for people is it's too big. There's no way everybody could be conspiring together. The other thing is that why would all these doctors knowingly do this? Why would all these people knowingly do this? Um, and then the other thing I think is important. Let me, let me stop you there, Matt, okay. for a minute. Sure.
1: Uh, you know, I, I'm a medical doctor, or at least I was. And I, th- those are political questions or psychology questions or you know, questions about culture. My concern right now is the science. And I just explained to you and hopefully your listeners what I know and how I know it. And I claimed that there is not one paper in the published scientific literature that shows isolation according to the universal commonly accepted definition of it and therefore you cannot say this causes anything or even exists and it's the same with with aids virus the hiv virus ebola zika measles all the rest of them the same now all these other things about why do i think this and why don't they i I mean i don't know ask them Find me a paper that says I'm wrong. I'm not interested in anybody's opinion about who thinks what or why I'm wrong or or that I I should have been to school here instead of there or I don't vote for the right person or anything like that. All I care about is I made a statement about what I think is, is what a scientist means by isolation, characterization, and proof of causation. When I ran that by you, I think you agreed that that sounded perfectly reasonable. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's not hard to understand, right? If I wanna know whether this pen can write on the paper, I can't have a handful of 20 pens and see whether it does. This is what a human being means by isolation and proof of causation. And by the way, it has been done for 20 years to isolate, quote, viruses like this. So it's not technically difficult. This is like a dentist drilling a a filling. You know, this is like, you know, a carpenter making a bookshelf. They they can do it. It's the technology has been around since the 30s. So it's not a technical challenge. It's just that they realized that when they do it like this, they either don't find anything or what they find doesn't cause disease. And they were gonna pack their bags and all be plumbers. And then somebody figured out that you could do it in a way that makes no sense. And like a spell that descended on humanity, they all believed it. And now they're in it so deep that, you know, if they were to admit what I just said, right? which is pure, simple logic, d- technically doable, it would literally be the end of virology. And then what would they do? They have mortgages and families. And, and, you know, it's like Will Rogers said, never try to convince somebody of something who makes his living believing the opposite. And as far as I can see, he's right. More than that, as far as, motivation of this person or that i mean i don't know you know i get them on the phone and i'll ask them why do you do this then i'll tell you but here's what i don't get you know there's all these people these so-called journalists and podcasters and they get people in the interview you know whoever it is and the problem is they say has the virus ever been isolated yes and that's the end of it they don't say well how did they do it because they don't know how they did it and they don't know what to ask just like my guess is you wouldn't have known what to ask right and so they can say whatever they want to you and they or they'll say well a thousand different people have done it and you don't know what did they do and if they told you what they did, it wouldn't make any sense to you, right? Yeah. Except now it would. Because if they say, I took this stuff and I inoculated on a, on a liver and then it broke down into a million pieces, you might now say, that doesn't sound right to me. That's not what I mean. How do you know that what you get came from the virus and not a breaking down liver? Because it turns out, they have the exact same genetic material. There's only one DNA made, you know, I mean, there's many different pieces of it or components, but it's all made of the same thing. And so you cannot, and Carrie Mullis said, you cannot use a PCR test as a diagnostic tool, period. There are no false positives. There's no false negatives. There's just falses.
0: Well, I love that. And for me, the way that, that I can understand this is, is when I was trying to figure out what was going on, people would ask me and they say, well, how was there a hundred thousand deaths? And, and, you know, when I saw the first death coming, I was like, okay, I got to figure this out. Then I figured out, how the PCR test actually works because most people will go to that layer and they'll say, Oh, we're going to use the PCR test. Right. But if you don't know how it works, you don't realize how garbage it is. Right. Yeah. If you don't know who Kerry Mullis is and you hear him actually talk about Fauci and talk about, you know, the system, he, he just basically gives him the gears as, as like, you know, being this guy that's total nonsense, but as your average everyday human, which, which is me, I only know a little bit of a little bit, all these questions start coming up. So we try to wrap our head around it. And when we understand how the systems work, we get clarity. Like a lot of people have been asking me about vaccines now, right? And so I got in, was looking up Dell Big Tree. I came across your work. I came across uh, Dr. Bear Lando. Uh, You know, we've been friends for a while and and I can trust him and know that this guy wants to do good and wants to help. And then I had to go do my own work in my own history. I'm figuring out what the actual um, F is going on there. It's it's a big task for somebody to believe something their whole life, trust the the establishment, and not know all of these different details. Try to find the right information to make a good choice for their family, for their friends. And so, I know we only have a limited time left. So, what but I'd see, love to
1: here here's the issue there, and this is why. Essentially, what you're saying is, and I've said this for a, a long time. We have a scientifically illiterate population. And particularly, they're illiterate, including, by the way, and I'm very clear about this the medical doctors. They are illiterate about viruses. They don't know. And, and, and I, I would encourage people not to believe anything I say. In fact, I want you to go to your family doctor and say, Can you explain to me how a Virologist isolates, characterizes, and proves this virus caused disease because they won't know. Now that should shock people because the people you're supposedly trusting, and I don't want you to trust me either. I think everybody should hear it. And, and the, the problem is if we insist on being scientifically illiterate, if people want to do us harm, They're going to use science to do it because they know that we don't have a clue what's going on. And so as far as I can see, we have one of two choices. We can can continue to be naive, childlike, illiterate about science and viruses, and they will do this over and over and over again. Or we can decide, you know what? This isn't that hard to understand. It's time we grow up and figure out what in the heck is going on here. And again, I just explained to you pretty much everything you need to know. And and again, don't believe me, go look in the literature, see if this has happened, see what other people say about this, because I am 100% sure that what I said is actually the scientifically correct way of demonstrating the existence of a virus and demonstrating that it causes disease. There is no other way. There is no scanning electron microscope, PCR test, you know, all this sophisticated stuff that they do. It's all done on, on, on brews of, of unisolated genetic material, and nobody has a clue what's in there.
0: Yeah. You know, I I definitely agree. And I think the one thing that you said that's important is that we need to take it upon ourselves to do the research and actually spend the time because um, what's happening is people are just kind of like giving their minds over to to everything else and saying, I don't know. And the nice thing is if, you know, you're listening to Tom, it's like, okay, some of this is making sense. I don't know all of it. And they'll say, well, what about um, the Zika and polio and all these different things. Well, now they can access your old interviews. These are questions I've asked uh, Dr. Barilando, other people out there, you can start following these, um, trends of information, and then you're going to be able to piece it together, but it's going to take a little time and effort. And you have to be a little bit open-minded because it goes against what we're normally taught Uh, me, I'm kind of skeptical, but, uh, when you look at Robert or yeah, uh, Robert F. Kennedy versus Alan Dershowitz, and you see the debate, you're like, you know, one makes a lot more sense, right? Like Robert Kennedy definitely had a a far superior argument to that. And you start to uncover these things and you put it on the weights and scales, like uh, the law weights and scales. And one of them just makes a lot more sense. And so um, I agree with doing your own research, because if you open up any of these rabbit holes, which I, which I, basically do all the time, you end up realizing it's like the opposite of what you thought. And yeah, you, you almost can't, it, all over and over and over again. And for me, like with what you're talking about, isolating the virus, well, then you start looking at the pharmaceutical co- uh, companies, you look at the Flexner report, how much the pharmaceutical companies make, um, the organizations they come from, their affiliations, their affiliations with the World Health Organization, the funding, and you add all these things together, now the weights and scales start to make more sense you know what I mean? You're like, oh, well, that's why. And I think the big key for me, because one of my interests was uh, psychological manipulation. It's like uh, martial arts are magic. If you don't know what I'm doing in jujitsu, you know, you know, you're explaining how the virus is, um, you know, done. Well, if, if we're in a combat situation and I can do an arm bar. Well, the reason why I, I am able to do that is because you don't know what I was doing. Yeah, so if right. I withhold that information, I have power over yeah. you. And that's what seems to be happening in the scientific community is like, I'm going to trust you and, and you're, you're going to, you know, I'm going to obey your authority, but we don't know that it actually doesn't have our best interests at heart. And we need to be kind of aware of that. And once we learn uh, the techniques and the tools and understand them, then we have um, more ability to make better choices. Otherwise a lot of the time we're being deceived.
1: Absolutely. And it's a good analogy. If, you're in a conflict with somebody and they know what the rules are and you don't, you've got a big problem. And they know the rules and they're playing chess, whoever they is, and we're playing checkers. And they're thinking 10 moves ahead. And, you know, there's so many sophisticated things I hear when, you know, that that are very subtle. And I, I I've even come to appreciate the, what I would call the intelligence of the adversary. These guys are unbelievably smart. So for instance, when Fauci gets up and says, yeah, well, if you do PCR cycle more than 35 cycles, you end up with dead nucleotides, which is replication incompetent. And that sounds like he's admitting that if you do more than 35 cycles of this test, it's meaningless, which is interesting because if you look on the CDC website and what number of cycles they're supposed to do, it's 42. So you could say, I caught him, right? He said over 35, meaningless. I looked on his website, essentially, and they're doing 42. You see, I caught him. But here's the problem. My take on it is they do that on purpose because he he sacrificed his pawn. So you caught him in this, but he implanted in your mind two things. One, if we did the cycles to 34, it must mean something relevant. Two, there is something called replication competence right so if it's over 35 it won't the virus won't replicate if it's under 35 it will replicate that puts in your mind the idea there must be a virus so he got your queen he sacrificed his pawn and insignificant i got him on this this inconsistency but he implanted into your psyche the idea that there is a virus and there is a proper way to do it. And if we just get our act together, we'll do it a little better and he wins big time. And that's the problem here is the, the people who are, you know, on quote, our side are not seeing the chess game. They get manipulated over and over again by people sacrificing their pawn saying another one is, oh, the numbers don't look so bad, right? So this is not a pandemic. And so, but, and so everybody then agrees, yes, it's just like a seasonal virus, right? It's a flu virus. So they get you to admit it's a virus, it's just that the numbers don't add up. And then they turn up whatever it is that's really causing this, and then the numbers look terrible, and you already admitted that it was a virus, and you got nothing to say now. You are, so to speak, screwed. Because they manipulated you into going all in on the numbers are bad, it's just a seasonal flu. And that, then you're done. You got nothing to say if the numbers start looking bad like they are now. And you already admitted that it was just a virus. What are you gonna say then? And the answer is nothing. You go home and wet with your tail between your legs. And I don't like that for me. I don't like my tail between my legs.
0: Well, that's an an amazing observation. You know, there's a documentary called The Century of Self um, about Edward Bernays and psychological operations. And that's similar to a double bind you know, yes. and all these amazing psychological yes. tools they use. So not only are they using scientism and confusing you there, they're, they're using psychological manipulation. Yes. They're using me. They're using everything. It's yes. it's like the MMA is actually a good example, right? Cause you said the rules of the game, we're going in, uh, thinking it's a boxing match. Meanwhile, they've got swords and guns and they're going to use jujitsu. when you're sitting there with gloves on your hands, ready to go. And they're just going to annihilate you. Plus they probably have like a teammate on the other side. And so, um it's required that we we start to unpack these things because then it's going to give her give us a clear view um i'd love to talk to you all day i want to be mindful of your time it's like
1: it's like zorro you know so (laughs) zorro has this amazing ability to sword fight and he perfects that his whole life and then he comes up against the guy and the guy has a gun and he shoots him dead and that's the end of it yeah I mean, great, you know, you, you worked on yourself and, you know, all that, and fair enough, And but but if, if you don't understand the rules of engagement, and the other thing is, you know, I, I'm not a war guy myself, but you don't underestimate your adversary. You do that at your own peril, because, and I don't underestimate the people who are doing this situation, whoever they, I don't know who they are, but whoever they are, are incredibly sophisticated and smart. And I say that because I can see what, what they mean by replication incompetent. Now, nobody else seems to know that. They don't know that that put into your mind a certain idea, and you don't even know how it got there or what it means, but it means there is a virus if we just did it right, it would replicate, which isn't true. But he got you to believe it, and all he had to do was sacrifice upon.
0: A hundred percent, yeah. And when you do hypnosis and psychological operations, you know the one thing you want them to believe. So they go, okay, we yeah. want them to believe that there's a virus. As long as they believe in a virus, everything else is fine. Everything so they, else
1: doesn't they, matter.
0: Yeah. They'll throw in four different things. And then as yeah. long as you admit it, like perfect, you took the bait essentially. And yeah. now, now you're hanging on to this thing that's fundamentally untrue, which yes. is uh, not good. And what that I love is
1: Exactly it, what happens.
0: Yeah. And what I really love about your approach is, um, you know, the spirit of it saying, look, these are the things that I know, show me other information and, and I'll revise it. And you don't get that on, on, um, you don't get that anywhere else, you know, in the in the media or, or wherever. It's only honest people trying to find the truth, looking for the best information, um, and and working together. So, you know, I just want to honor your work and spirit. And it's been a very challenging uh, bunch of months for for all of us. I think trying to figure this out. You know, what do you? If you wanted to, again, if you want to keep going, I'll, I'll talk to you all day. But I wanna I wanna um, honor your time and uh-huh. and and, and um, yes. So, what I would love to ask is. Any positive notes because sometimes I'm I'm sitting here, I've been up and down, you know, all year. I've been like, oh my God, this is terrible. I learned about this and this and this. And it's interesting. My in, in Ontario, we just went into martial law. I called this back in April because my my partner is a kindergarten teacher. And I said, um, you know, they're gonna inflate the death numbers. We're gonna have a little bit of a opening in the summer, then it's gonna go down to martial law. Everything I've I've been able to predict because they actually tell you on their friggin' public sites. They tell you this. You can go find it. That's how you right. you know and you can figure it out if you're gonna peel back the layers. And so sometimes I feel disheartening. So I'd love for you to either have anything you you feel like you wanted to share or any kind of um, optimistic notes. What are the solutions?
1: You know the solution is very simple, which is to be human. And the the reason I say that is because the the things that are planned outcomes like getting rid of currency and chipping everybody and sort of a transhumanistic uh, mechanistic dystopia. We we have to realize that this is a difficult project to accomplish, even for very smart people. Uh, They don't have the bandwidth to do it. They don't have the technology to do it. They have so many glitches that haven't been worked out in their systems. And so if people just realize that we want to be human beings in all that entails, and I happen to believe that there's probably angelic forces working with us in this, um, they have nothing to say because they can't accomplish this unless we uh, are accomplices in this project. And so that's all it takes. The Emperor has no clothes. We just take back our power. We don't need to guillotine anybody. We just need to make the world that we want and the whole party's over to them.
0: A hundred percent. And I feel like the big we have to be complicit in this. And the number one way that they make this work is through crippling fear. If we yes. stop being if, if we understood things and stopped being so afraid, like understanding how these things work, we can operate. Outside of fear, but when you're in fear, you also want to bring people down and then yeah. oppress them because you're so afraid. And so, courage and understanding and being an actual good human is so imperative right now. And not succumbing to that uh, fear yeah, yeah. force because it, it will require our own. Like if you if you study any of the genocides, which I have, it's always people killing other people for some yeah. sort of reason. And I say the virus is more like a parasite. They plant the virus in your mind, like there is a virus to then go take an action of oppression on another human being. So the virus right. is a parasite of the mind, in my view.
1: Yeah, it's, there's no real, but it is a parasite of the mind. It's a spell. So yeah. we can do this. We, we just have to choose. And it's all about courage.
0: I love it. Well, Tom, is there anything else that you wanted to, to discuss before we end the show? And I'm just so grateful for your time and, and, <laughs> yes. and all your work.
1: Good. I think we're good.
0: Cool. So well, I'll throw one last thing. Where do people find you? What books or people or any resources? Because I know. People yes, are gonna be
1: Dr. Tom Cowan, D-R-T-O-M-C-O-W-A-N.com.
0: Perfect. And they can, they, you'll find down the, you'll go down the rabbit hole there. So it's an amazing place to start. Uh, thank you so much for your work, for your time and everything you're doing. Uh, I sincerely appreciate it.
1: Okay, Matt, take care.
0: Okay. Take care, Tom. See you later.